What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. to bring on a fellow center clip creator you guys know i love center clip uh many of us are creating content via audio similar to radio but not as long and we're spending our time based on our unique expertise and time in this crazy thing we call life to bring you expert opinions and commentary and analysis and assessments to the most poignant problems that we all face whether it's culture whether it's politics whether it's business, economics, sometimes some folks even get into religion. If that is your thing, although they say politics and religion are two things you shouldn't necessarily talk about. Well, we talk about it on Center Clip, <laughs> uh, which is why I'm always excited to have a Center Clip creator on with me. Well, this Saturday, I have none other than Scott Stantis. He's an editorial cartoonist, creator of Prickly City Comic Strip, a libertarian, conservative, contrarian Catholic. I mean, I love all of those descriptives. <laughs> Scott Stantis, welcome to the Sure Michael Singleton Show. Well, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. We have a few to things to you. talk about. Oh, man, some exciting things. And guys, if you want to check out Center Clip, you can follow them on X, formerly Twitter, at Center Clip Audio, or you can go to centerclip.com. Original, concise. It's the audio op ed page. Top names, most relevant topics. Again, only available via CenterClip, centerclip.com. Scott, there's a lot going on in the country right now. It's so many different topics, but I really want to talk about uh, just a handful of things and, and get your opinions on them. I've been listening to some of your audio on, on CenterClip on a whole range of, of topics. And I, and I think these particular ones that I chose uh, are, are really poignant in terms of this past week's politics and maybe even this past month's politics. I want to start, however, with the UAW strike. And so to get your thoughts, we just had the writer's strike that finally is coming to an end. We're waiting on the, the agreement to be accepted by, I believe, what, 12,000 members, if I recall the number correctly. Yeah. A lot of working class people in the country right now, Scott, are struggling like heck. And despite the fact that jobs are available and inflation has somewhat decreased, people aren't necessarily feeling that. Um, the, the wages haven't increased with inflation. Right. A lot of people may have jobs, but if things are more expensive, it's like oil is, is going up at the pump. Energy is going to go up because we're go going into the fall in many parts of the country where it gets really cold. Uh, the, the cost of goods have increased. Commodities aren't doing uh, very well. I just want to get your thoughts, you, you know, on just the struggle of working class people. And again, we're sort of seeing it. We're seeing the struggle actualized via these unions, whether it's all the way out west in California or in a state like Michigan, which is an important presidential state. Yeah. And uh, former President Donald Trump will be there this weekend hanging out with uh, blue collar types. Um, it's, um, you know, I don't know if we're going to come at this from the political standpoint or from a practical standpoint. The economy is recovering. I mean, there's no question mm -hmm. on paper. But you know what this reminds me of, Shemichael? It reminds me of George H.W. Bush running in 92. Oh, yeah. 
uh, there's a very shallow recession. Uh, he comes out and says things are getting better. He was right. But the fact of the matter is people in Tulsa or Phoenix or anywhere like that, what they weren't feeling it. They certainly weren't seeing it. My wife and I went out for uh, a cup of coffee. I mean, literally met some friends for a cup of coffee the other day and the bill came and it was 12 bucks. I mean, I mean, just like a pot of black coffee. It was that. Wow. And that's, those are the kinds of things. Yeah. It's apocryphal. Yeah. It's just a story, but that's what people are dealing with right now. Yeah. Now on fuel costs, which drive virtually everything else, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, Saudi Arabia, who uh, seems to be pretty friendly with Donald Trump uh, talked about and has cut back production. So the, you go to the pump. I mean, in California, what is it in California right now? Someone posted some pictures the other like day. Six bucks, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so tell that person driving, you know, Joe six pack driving his truck to work that, you know, filling up his tank is going to be 120 bucks that the economy is doing just Jake, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so when it comes to, and so the union movement and full disclosure, I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA. Um, mm -hmm. And, and they're still on strike. So the writers coming back means that the, you know, the, 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 the late night shows are coming back, but that doesn't mean that production is going to start with movies and, and television. Um, but they have a point. And this, I mean, this, this snowballs into a whole bigger issue of AI of the, you know, the, the environment of their economy in Hollywood has changed. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's true across the board. UAW workers have not seen an appreciable uh, pay increase. Uh, they talk about, oh, they're demanding 40% pay increase. Well, the, the, that's over four years. So it's 10% over four years. Still a healthy increase. I mean, I wouldn't turn it down if, you know, yeah. <laughs> if I was in We're that not position. talking about it at one time, which I think is important to point that out. Yeah, yeah. So, so on again, as it's being reported, um, if I could bring this also to how the political side of it. And this mm -hmm. is where we had the, the sitting president of the United States doing what government does worst, which is take <laughs> sides, taking sides and picking winners and losers. Um, he now literally takes himself out of the discussion for any kind of mediation. Uh, he, he cannot be, um, you know, you can't say that he's not involved and not now invested in this issue. And so he can't sit down like presidents have done in the past. Uh, for labor disputes that have gone on too long and have really disrupted the economy. Mm -hmm. um, that was my objection to him going and picketing with the UAW. On the other hand, I think unions are on the upswing now in this country, and they should be. Uh, you know, they helped create a middle class. Okay, tell me if I'm insane, Schmeichel, because, well, you wouldn't be the first. But in all, <laughs> in all seriousness, I like unions. I like I like. Uh, uh, private company unions, public unions can go to hell. I think that when they, when they make themselves the enemy of the American people and the people they serve, then it's a problem. Mm -hmm. But private companies like the UAW, like other unions organizing, but I also like right to work laws. <laughs> Am I nuts to think that those can coexist? I don't think so. I, I think, I think if a person wants to join a union, um, that should be their choice. And I think if a person doesn't want to join a union, that should be their choice. But I, but I don't think those who join versus those who don't should be penalized either way. I mean, I, I could see the argument uh, for the benefit for both. Obviously, corp, you know, corporations or those in, on the C-suite side of things don't want to deal with with their workers coming together uh, to put pressure on on the company when th there are things going on that they don't necessarily like. 
Uh, and I certainly understand that from a managerial perspective, but it's like, but you're a management, you're supposed to work through those sorts of things. Exactly. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all, Scott, in, in asking, can both of those things coexist? I think they can. Well, and, and again, another personal story. I've worked at newspapers and um, I've joined unions um, mm -hmm. in, in right to work states because, you know, as you, as we all know, those of us who work in media, they can come into your door, walk, knock on your door and say, Hey, Schmeichel, you got a minute? And when they say that, by the way, you say, no, no, I do not. Sorry, can't help. <laughs> I, got a, I got a thing. Maybe, you know, um, I just wanted to protect myself from those kinds of moments, yeah. which have happened in my career. Uh, yeah, so, but you you yeah. mentioned, yo, no, go ahead, Scott, finish that thought. No, 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 I'm go done. Ahead. That was it. Well, it was you, so, so you mentioned, you know, the uh, President Biden being the first president in history to uh, stand on the picket line. I think he was only there for 15 minutes, though. But, you know, it, it's it's a symbolic imagery, I suppose, that matters politically, the optics. Well, it, it was nap and, time. So and, and he and he chose a side. Now, President Trump <laughs> is also going to Michigan uh, to talk with blue collar workers. Is this necessarily about what these workers are going through, uh, Scott, for both men, Biden and Trump? Or is this really about Biden and Trump recognizing how critically important worker, the working class voter is to their reelection bid. And two, is it also about them recognizing how critically important the state of Michigan is? Well, both, obviously. Mm. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, this, I mean, let's let, you know, you and I both have worked in politics. I mean, you know, cynicism is, is high in that profession. <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> What's interesting to me is, is Joe Biden. I mean, think about this, a Democrat a, 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 a having to go and prove their union bona fides. I grew up, I'm old. I grew mm -hmm. up in an era where the old, the new deal coalition was still holding together. Uh, and the Democrats to their to their great discredit have lost it and they lost it yeah. because you know they talked about working class and then did nothing for them man that sunset is gorgeous grill patio sunset hard to get better than that unless you're browsing carvana's inventory while you soak it all in Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, my wife and I, again, we took a, we took a, uh, a road trip. Uh, a long road trip, most of it through the middle of, of America mm -hmm. and stopped in places like Ohio, Pennsylvania. And you seen what this economy, the, the loss of the manufacturing base has gutted. 
these economies and these and, and the lives that these people live. Now, you know, you can have and your Democratic representative shows up every two years, your senator shows up every six, you're, you know, and gives a speech and says they're behind you. But the, you know, people aren't stupid. They yeah. they see yeah. what's going on around them. We just talked about the economy. People aren't dumb. They see that the economy's doing just great. And you're going, well, it's not. It certainly isn't for me. It for certainly me. isn't for yeah. most. Yeah. You that's know, right. and that's what this comes down to. Both parties, you're right. You're absolutely. And I mean, you're a strategist. You understand this. That this is a, this is a a, a pretty sizable voter base that both parties need if they're going to be successful in 2024. Uh, uh, does Donald Trump's message still resonate? Yeah, I was going to ask you, who do you think wins this 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 messaging war? Who do you think has the more compelling argument uh, to working class Americans? Well, I think Donald Trump does. I don't say this. Uh, and, and again, full disclosure, I've been a never Trump Republican. Uh, mm -hmm. So you're not saying this as someone who's like a Trump fanboy. No, no, right. no. And that's okay. I, I, I haven't joined the cult. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just and I want. I gotta tell you, I mean, you're a, a fellow GOPer. I mean, it's got to be driving you nuts to see what's happened to the party. You know, um, it's it's a it's a fascinating display, Scott, of what happens when there isn't ideological consistency or purity if that makes any sense oh absolutely and i think this paradigm shift that that we're experiencing i think it could become permanent if we don't if we don't sort of return back to that level of purity and consistency and by that i mean i think people to the everything you just said about how democrats for a lot of their voters have said things and people are like well you guys never deliver i think it's the same as the case on the republican side which is why voters have become so frustrated that they have decided to allow their anger to fuel into a populist movement, right? Because populism isn't necessarily um, an ideological uh, belief system necessarily. It, it's more so, at least I would argue, um, it's more so a sentimentality uh, or, or sentiments and, and grievances about a whole scope of things and people sort of coming together under the guise of those grievances uh, hoping for change. And sometimes that change can be positive, historically speaking, if one wants to study populist movements in the past, and they can also be really, really bad and dangerous. Uh, and, and I think in this particular case, we're on the latter side of those two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But 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 there is an, but there still is an opportunity if you study populism, historically speaking, for this to be corrected. And my hope, Scott, is that it, it is corrected, but that's going to depend on a lot of the political leaders. And one thing that, you know, I think we found is that political leaders for quite some time now care more about their own interests uh, than they do in delivering uh, for voters. I mean, time and time again, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, their voters will say, well, this is what we want. And then the leaders will do the exact opposite. And it's like, well, but 80 percent of your voters say this is what they want. Well, we don't care what the 80 percent are saying. And then you lead to a populist movement and then you ultimately get to someone like a Donald Trump or in the past Mussolini and a whole host of others. So where do you see this going? I mean, I mean, I also, I mean, like I said, I've looked Ooh, at your resume. That's a good question. Um, I'm dying to know what your thoughts are. You've, I mean, you, cause your boots on the ground, you've worked as a consultant on three presidential three presidential campaigns, campaigns presidential appointee. Yeah. Uh, Romney, Carson, Gingrich, and then Carson okay. went into the Trump administration and I went in briefly with him until Trump fired me because you know how Trump is so egotistical and very sensitive at times. He cannot be criticized, which is one of his greatest weaknesses among others. 
uh, unfortunately, something that he he needs to really check. But I guess at a certain point in a person's age, they just <laughs> yeah. they are who they are. But but to your point of where do I see this going? Yeah, you know, Scott, I've always been of the belief, and a lot of my conservative friends disagree with me. Those who want another option, I've always been of the belief that Trump has to become the nominee again in order for the party to move on. That 30 to 40% of Republicans who truly believe he deserves an, an, another opportunity, I don't think you can convince them to move on until he's been given an opportunity. And if he loses next year against President Biden, then I think those people accept most of them, not all, because I think Trump may still say it was stolen a second time, and there will be some who will believe that. But I think yeah. the majority will finally say, okay, we gave him another shot. We didn't win. It's time to move on to somebody else. But I don't think you can have that debate or conversation with a majority of them until he's given that second opportunity. I've, you know, I, you and I have both been observers of politics for many, many years. And the one thing, really the only thing that carries forward in politics is winning. It's the only <laughs> currency that matters. <laughs> so true. And, and so, <laughs> so when, when Donald Trump won in 2016, um, you you were going. I knew then you were going to see dozens of candidates who looked just like him, and mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. here we are. You certainly going forward. I mean, let's uh, you know when he go, leaves the scene for whatever reason, he's going to be the nominee. By the way, I mean, yeah, that's, anyone yeah. who thinks I'm, otherwise, I'm pretty confident in that. I listen. I wake up to NPR some mornings, mm -hmm. and um, they're nuts. Well, you know the other the other candidates now, or this is their last chance to catch up. They Dude. don't have a chance. They don't. They don't. They don't. And, and look, there are some fine candidates. A Nikki Haley, in particular, I'm a yes. big fan of. She Me actually too. does the best uh, in uh, pairing her against President Biden. But mathematically, I just don't see the path, Scott. And you know, when I worked on campaigns, I relied a lot on data to sort of help craft sure. and define strategies. That that was something I was really, really talented with. And I've looked at every single possibility, man. I've e I even have some friends who are still more active on that side of politics. I'm more so on the media side now. Uh, and they have showed every possible model, every predictive model that you could think of. And for the audience, predictive modeling uh, allows us to look at a lot of different data extrapolations and sort of predict what we think could happen under this variable versus another variable. And under four, at least three or four that I've looked at, Scott, there isn't a path for any of yeah. them unless, and I and I don't say this because I, I wish this upon anyone. I want to be clear on this. Unless there was a major health incident with the former president, that is the only way another yeah. candidate could have a viable path from all of the modeling that I've seen. Absolutely. I mean, um, start from the from his from Trump's base. They are really, really pissed off. Over they are Scott. Hold that thought. I'm going to take okay. a quick break. And I'll I want to pick up when we come back. Stay angry, right? <laughs> hey, this is the Sure Michael Singleton <laughs> Show. My guest for today is Scott Stantis. Again, Scott is a good friend. Well, I, I think I can call you a good friend now, Scott. Editorial sure. cartoonist, creator of Prickly City Comic Strip, libertarian, conservative, contrarian, Catholic. I, I, I love that for whatever reason. <laughs> this is the Sure Michael Singleton Show, guys. We'll be right back after this quick break. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. 
It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What I was going to agree with you, which is also a, a beautiful moment for both of us. Um, <laughs> no, the, tr- the, the Trump voters are pissed. They are, they are genuinely, profoundly pissed off. Well, just generally, but now even more so because of what happened, what they perceive to have happened to them and their guy in 2020. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to vote. Anyone, I mean, so first and foremost, as an organizer, and I worked on campaigns for many years, some mm-hmm. even successful in California. We elected a Republican. It was, uh, you know, that wow, those had to often. be in the, in the uh, rare days, guys. It <laughs> really does. And there's some great stories I'll have to share with you someday because it was a fun campaign. Anyway, so I've worked in these campaigns. Look, you cannot possibly, if you are any of the other candidates, you know, mm-hmm. if you're DeSantis, if you're any of the others, you can't look at those numbers and think that there's any, like, as you said, there's no road forward. There just isn't. So anyone who thinks that Donald Trump is not going to be the nominee, short of, as you said, a medical emergency of some sort or another, um, you know, th- is nuts. So what's going to happen at the, so what's happening at the debate? These guys are running for vice president or, 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 or you know, cabinet positions. I, yeah. I don't see them actively going, maybe Chris Christie was supposed to. But mm-hmm. curiously, mm-hmm. he they a few of them kind of went after him, and he never really responded. As you know, in politics, you don't yeah. ask answer the question you're asked; you answer the question you wish you were asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christie didn't turn it around to what I th- was hoping was a really clever, snarky um, attack on the former president, and he's not. So, s- minus that, um, you know, I think Nikki Haley's looking to be vice president. Um, I think mm. Ron DeSantis, I, I loved watching the DeSantis campaign. Do you tell me as, as someone who's worked on these before mm-hmm. the, the funniest moment I think I can think of just the phrase in mm-hmm. politics mm-hmm. is the Ron DeSantis charm offensive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ron DeSantis, man, <laughs> he really has struggled as a candidate. Scott, and I'm sitting here Googling on my phone because I wanted to, uh, find a quote. It's funny you mentioned DeSantis. I was going to get to that, but I'll just try to paraphrase a quote I was looking for. I remember at the time, one particular uh, conservative journalist said, uh, Ron DeSantis is essentially our answer to our Donald Trump problem. This was a couple months ago. Remember when a lot of the uh, donor crosses yeah. and he's the one. And boy, what a blunder it has been. I mean, he he shot for the moon and somehow ended up on Saturn. <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I mean, just went in a whole different direction. What what and, happened? I mean, you. I mean, Scott, like I said, it just. I defer to you. What happened? He, he he struggled. I would argue on two fronts. 
I think that six week abortion ban was a, was an immediate non-starter on the national stage. And if you look at that topic, Republicans get killed every single time. Uh, number two, this idea of going woke and that being his singular issue for as long as it was. Yeah, it sounds great to rally the base and get them excited. But even the base wants to know what's your answer to solution, solutions to immigration, to the economy, to the Russia-Ukraine proxy war, to trade with, with China, uh, to infrastructure, education, et cetera. He never rolled out those things, honestly, until I think a month ago. It's almost too, it's too late at that point. People, yeah. they, they dismiss you. They, they, they've moved on. His campaign issues are, are, are indicative of a candidate who ne can't necessarily lead as well as once was perceived. Hiring too many people, spending, I think, yeah. almost half of his money. So if you're a, a regular voter, you're thinking, man, this guy can't even manage his campaign, but he wants to manage a country of 300 plus million people with trillions of dollars in, in yearly GDP. Yeah, I don't know if Ron's the, the best guy. And then last I'll say, Scott, he is just not charismatic, man. I mean, Ron DeSantis <laughs> just does not have an ability to connect with people. So, so in my just quick analysis here, it's, it's those things that yeah. I sort of look at and I and I said, yeah, he he's he doesn't have it. He he should have waited until 2028. And Scott, his team actually hired someone to try to work with him on the personality issues. And yeah, well, that hasn't really worked out as well as they may have hoped. Well, there's some politicians, as you know, that just won't listen. I mean, uh, Kamala Harris is another example, though recently she's doing better. I know that sounds weird, mm -hmm. but, but I know most people listening have probably dismissed it and don't just, you know, change the channel when they see her come on. They really ha have done a good job and she has performed much better. But as you said, with DeSantis, they mm -hmm. made their decision about uh, Vice President Harris. They uh, have. And you know what? It's so funny you mentioned the Vice President, Scott. Um they are working on a, a re-image campaign, if you will. And a lot yeah. of Washington Post, New York Times have written about this. People on background have said, hey, we're trying to rebrand her. And I think, to you know, like I said about DeSantis, it's too late, man. I think people have already formed their opinions about the vice president, whether good or bad, right or wrong. And I don't I, I blame the vice president a little bit for this. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. But I also blame the Biden White House and his advisors. They gave her a portfolio that was impossible to me. Immigration, no one's been able to solve that since Ronald Reagan. I mean, past 34, almost 40 years. And they gave that to Kamala Harris, who, who's- I think new. it's William McKinley. I mean, McKinley, right. So, so, so that to me was just an asinine predicament. I don't think they utilized her strengths as well as they could have. And so that's my one critique in terms of the White House. Now, on the vice president's point, why I think she's had some mishaps. I remember this article, and I'm looking at it right now. It came out in December 2021 by the Washington Post, and it's titled, A Kamala Harris Staff Exodus Reignites Questions About Her Leadership Style and Her Future Ambitions. And in this article, if you read it, on background, there are current and former staffers of hers who talked about how she doesn't like to read the briefing papers, how she gets upset with the staffers. When interviews don't go, I mean, a lot of not very flattering things about, about the vice president. And that speaks volumes to her. Now, a lot of my listeners, this is Urban View, a lot of listeners support Vice President Harris, have black. I understand the reasons why, because of that cultural affinity. But people on the Hill who have worked with her when she was a senator would also say that her staff, they just were not 
very fond of her in terms of how she behaved and how she carried herself in terms of the role. So, so these aren't my opinions. I've never met the vice president. I don't know her personally, Scott. I'm just only reiterating what I have heard from friends who do know her, who worked for her. And again, the Washington Post reporter who spent months talking to current and former staffers and listening to what they had to say about their current and former boss and the things just weren't very good. So I think it's a combination of those things that have made it challenging for the vice president. And man, I, I just, it's just terrible, Scott, because in my opinion, I think Kamala Harris, because of her diversity, uh, her legal background, I think if I was able to advise her singularly and be sort of her chief advisor, there are so many things that you could do with a candidate like her. A lot of promise for a candidate like yeah. her. She was so fresh. There was a lot of opportunity to build a lot of like and fondness and even love for her. And boy, they blew it. They blew it big time. And, and, and unfortunately, she's going to have to you know, pay in terms of her it, overall political career. It reminds me a little bit of what happened to Dan Quayle during the uh, Bush oh, HW. Before my time, but I've read. Mm -hmm. Well, no, because he was... Uh, you know, not not the the sharpest uh, tool in the drawer, but she he um, wasn't what they painted him to be. But they the, the the narrative went forward, and by the time they could write that ship, by the time they actually got uh, advisors to make him look more presidential, make him look uh, it was too it was too late. You only have so much shelf life in politics, mm -hmm. uh, and you certainly That's never. Right. You could say you never have a second chance to make a first impression. That's not true. I mean, there are politicians in history who have come back from far worse. But her initial um, introduction to the American people, I mean, guys like you and me knew who she was because mm -hmm. we're, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dorks. Uh, <laughs> and we followed this stuff. So we knew who she was and we were aware of her and thought highly of her. I'm I'm like you. I mean, I, I, I thought um, this is transformative. She could be. Uh, a very, very important figure in the politics and the history of yeah. this country. Yeah. Uh, but the first few interviews out of the uh, out of the gate, I compared her to she was Hillary Clinton without the charm. Mm. <laughs> and she just it, it didn't come off well. I'm not sure if it was impatience, if it was nerves. I mean, all of a sudden, yes, you're a senator from California, the most populous state in the union, but that's still not at the you know at the federal level where you are a heartbeat away from running the country. Yeah, I yeah. do believe that there's going forward. Let me ask you this, if I may. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I know it's your, I know, I know it's your show, your Michael. I'm sorry, but I oh, got to okay. ask you because I mean, Joe Biden. I mean, I as you said, you, you touched on earlier with his appearance at the UAW uh, picket line yesterday. He was there for mm -hmm. less than 15 minutes. Um, yeah, he can't seem to do anything. And yes, I got to tell you, I get blindsided all the time for my cartoons, mentioning that he is old and he is old. Uh, and yeah. his age is showing he's he, and is there a possibility that he will not be the nominee? And if that possibility happens, what 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 are the likely scenarios following that? I mean, it's it's it, it, boy, that's a that's a tough question. I was on CNN last Thursday. I think it was either last Thursday or Friday with Abby Phillips. And I was on with someone. Um who worked for the White House. He's still very close to the Biden administration. And he made an interesting point. He said, I, I love President Biden. I've worked for the Bidens. I support the Bidens. But if the Demo 
Democratic Party establishment wants to find another alternative, which it appears a lot of Democratic voters and donors want, the time to do that would be now. It's never happened before. It's going to get harder to do if you don't do it now. Um, and the question then becomes who? Now, I have argued that Gavin Newsom, who's debating Ron DeSantis in Georgia next month, uh, which many people have scratched their heads, well, why would Gavin Newsom do that <laughs> when he said that he supports and has endorsed President Biden and Vice President Harris? Well, I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, he clearly wants to showcase that he's ready for the job if called upon. And then two, and this may be uh, as equally important, he would like to showcase that he is better able to articulate a successful democratic message to a broader America than the current president. And that is incredibly important. If he does well on that debate next month on Fox News without an audience, moderated by Sean Hannity, a lot of democratic voters are going to see that and say, this is what we need for 2024, not an aging president who we love and adore, uh, but isn't the same as he was 10 years ago. And Scott, that's that's not a criticism of President Biden. That happens as we all age. And we hope <laughs> to all live to be 80 years old and let alone running an entire country. I mean, my God, I kudos to Joe Biden uh, for even being able to do that. But nevertheless, people are wondering, is it time to go in a younger, fresher, vibrant direction? And I think a lot of people think so. And so, so yeah, I, I would say under that question, is it possible? It is. What does it look like? I think Gavin Newsom is showcasing that he would want to be the person, that he is the best person. The party establishment at that time would have to have conversations along with the donor class of President Biden saying, look, we want to go in a new direction. It's probably best that you not run for re-election. Obviously, Kamala Harris would presumably want to run, and then they would open up the Democratic primary process and then let Democratic voters decide through a primary process who should be the nominee. Technically, can that are, are we past that? And I know this is a, cr a crazy question, but printing well, ballots. I mean, the, so the fir the first votes haven't been cast yet. So technically, Scott, you could in theory still do it. You're going to be rushing. I mean, granted, Republicans started in, I guess most of the folks sort of had their hats in the ring by what, June, July, I yeah. want to say. So yeah. the Republicans are going to have a three or four month advantage but that doesn't matter because we all know it's going to be donald trump anyway uh so so for democrats hypothetically speaking could you open up the process in the next month and say all right we have two or three months because i think the first votes are cast for democrats technically if they were to open up the primary would be in february so you would give november december january so you got 90 days to kind of travel the country and make your case before primary votes are cast i think it's possible Tough. I just, but I, I also think, think possible. But don't you also think the party leapfrogging over Kamala Harris would be the optics of that to the base? You know what? You know, terrible. The optics would be terrible. But just here's the thing. I mean, Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris, when she she she's only had but two statewide elections in California as Attorney General and for United States Senate. And while she clearly received you know substantial black support in each of those races. From my understanding of having read L.A. Times articles on her at the time, having talked to people who are engaged in California politics, I'm not certain if black voters are necessarily her strongest base. And so I don't know if she's been able to prove 
that she can win a state. She wasn't able to remember. She dropped out, I think, before the first votes were even cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last time around. So 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 I don't know. She she hasn't been proven in that regard. And again, this isn't anything against the vice president. I want to be clear uh, from for the audience. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to say that she hasn't proven her ability to win a national election. So people may be disgruntled about it, Scott, but let me, you know, I guess I asked you this question. Democratic voters who don't want a Trump return to the White House, are they going to just stay home all of a sudden because they're upset that Kamala Harris was sort of skipped over? I don't necessarily think so. I think many of them would still turn out to vote unless they just don't care uh, about democracy, as many Democrats have argued they do. Uh, and if that is true, my presumption would be that they would still turn out in high numbers. Yeah, but if they're not attracted to the candidate or if there's some anger like there was against Hillary Clinton in 2016, mm -hmm. what was what was the number four or seven million? Yeah. Democratic voters came out yeah. that year because they just weren't energized and they didn't particularly like Hillary Clinton. And mm -hmm. many of the more progressive uh, voters didn't like how the Democratic handle party handled mm -hmm. uh, Bernie. Yep. So if they, you know, if they kind of shove her out of the way. um I don't know. I, I knew some, I, you know, people love this guy right now. He's the flavor of the month, but mm -hmm. is he really going to go around the country and go to Texas, go to Florida, go to Pennsylvania, go to oh, Ohio I think and say, would. and I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn America into what I did for California. I, I think he would I say, mean, come on. I agree with that, obviously, but I think he would say, I'm going to turn America um, into a place that cares about workers, that cares about women's rights, reproductive rights. That's what I think he'll say. He's going to say, I, I, I stand for an America that's not against diversity, equity, and inclusion. I stand for America that's not burning books. I mean, that's the argument that I think he was. And then Republicans obviously would say, well, that's all great, but let's look at California. Is that what you want? Your crime run amok, immigration out of control, high taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he would have a message to make. I just think Republicans would have a, an equally powerful counter message to make depending on who the messenger is i, I should think ma matters but i want to ask you this question though scott as we sort of talk about the general election sure do you think donald trump we've talked about him a couple of different times now in, in different frames do you think he's running a general election strategy like is he just sort of like i don't even care about these other folks I i'm thinking about 2024 and i'm going to run my campaign now as if the general election has already started yeah, he's going. He's he's treating the other GOP uh, candidates in the primaries like you know, like like children, like they're unimportant. He's turning his back on that and, and looking for, looking towards the fall election. I think that's smart. If I was, if I was his advisors, I don't think he listens or has any. But if I were, mm -hmm. I, he's doing exactly what I would suggest he would do, which is you know, ignore, don't get mired in that, the primary stuff. Now you're, you can go forward. And in fact, he's doing it. He's, he's distancing himself from the abortion issue that a lot of Republicans, particularly yeah. in very, very, very red States are, 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 you know, pushing laws now where, you know, uh, are so draconian. And as a libertarian, make me, make my teeth itch. They're so, they're so overarching. <laughs> and so, I mean, did you ever think in your, in your wildest dreams that the democratic party would be the libertarian party because their their verbiage now people have a right to read anything they want to people have a right to do anything they want with their bodies i'm going holy mary where were you people ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> isn't, isn't that funny how sometimes these, <laughs> these 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 shifts occur and but you do have to wonder are these permanent shifts just because of the disarray of the gop right now or is this a you know temporary thing you know i i don't know what do you think <laughs> uh, being a libertarian 
leaning person working mm-hmm. in, in Republican politics and now commenting on politics, on Republican politics for years, the libertarian wing has always been ostracized and always marginalized by Republicans. I think this is uh, true. <laughs> uh, that we, We've never been taking, although, um, you know, guys like uh, uh, William F. Buckley was one of them who just said libertarians are nuts and just put them aside. Let's, 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 you know, keep the conversation going at the adult table. But the fact of the matter is, you know, uh, the issue of libertarian, of not, of no government interference in your life is a very powerful and very potent it thing is to say for to a people. lot of people, for a lot Scott, of people. Scott, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a quick break. We're okay. going to pay some bills here, get some of those commercials Yay, going. Bunny. My guest this Saturday is Scott Stantis, editorial cartoonist, creator of Prickly City Comic Strip, Libertarian, Conservative, Contrarian, Catholic. You can follow him on X at Scott Stantis. Again, that's at S-C-O-T-T-S-T-A-N-T-I-S at Scott Stantis. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Scott loves Hit the Clip. And guys, I say check it out because these folks are doing this voluntary. They're, they're not getting paid to give their opinions and analysis on Center Clip. And that's why I say, hey, go and download this app because it's an app that is similar to a lot of the other social media apps in terms of people having political debates and dialogues, but no one's angry. We're not yelling at each other. People are offering thoughtful commentary. And I think there's a yearning out there, Scott, uh, from many Americans to hear diverse thoughts and opinions that are fact-based from people who are experts in their particular field and do so with an air of openness. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you heard from your friends? I mean, from your Democratic friends that their friends have asked them, how mm-hmm. can you be friends with him? I get this a lot <laughs> because you know, the fact is we listen. I mean, you, you during the course of your show, you listen, you analyze, you you balance both sides. And you know mm-hmm. what? Nobody has a corner on the truth. There are a hundred percent of all the right answers. Uh, I hate to say That's that true. to people who feel what they do. You don't. You don't. Um, and, and so the discussion right now has to, I mean, my, can I tell a quick story again? It's yes, a family God, go story. Ahead. My wife was expecting our second child, 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm an editorial cartoonist at the Commercial Appeal in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, it's a, election day comes uh, and she, her water breaks, she goes into labor. Uh, we said, well, we got to get you to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this was the uh, Dukakis Bush race of 1988. On the way to the hospital, true story, Michael, she made me stop at the polling place so she could cancel my vote. <laughs> we, <laughs> and we're just celebrating our 44th wedding anniversary. So we congratulations, you know, man. <laughs> thank you. We it can it can work. People, you can get along, have different political views, as long as I mean, if you're coming from the right place. I mm-hmm. mean. I can't mm-hmm. speak for you, but I'm, I became a conservative libertarian because I felt that was the best way. I, mean, I looked around and saw there's poor people. There's people mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. How do we help them? How do we help mm-hmm. lift them out of poverty? And in my mind, the best way is clear the, clear the way for them to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously have a safety net. So you know, this would be preposterous for a country this wealthy, this prosperous to have people starving in it. That's insane. But by turns, um, I use this example a lot. A woman on the south side of Chicago. I'm a cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. So um, we, the, we, the Chicago Tribune, did a story on if a woman wanted was happened to be good with hair mm-hmm. and wanted to open up a hair salon, her initial outlay would be thirty thousand dollars in fees, wow. in in fees, wow, <laughs> in licensing. I mean, this isn't actually like getting the brick and mortar place and getting the chairs and everything. Mm-hmm. This is just, just buying to... into the system. Wow, thirty thousand dollars. So if you're if you're crazy. someone who is um, inner city or have a dream or or maybe you received your certification in high schools I don't know how many high schools still do that sort of thing uh, you got to figure out a way to raise thirty grand and right. a lot of people don't have that sitting in the bank account a lot of folks don't have families with thirty thousand dollars just sitting around and say here you go we pay it back in two years yeah uh, so so talk about Un, I guess unleveling the playing field, if you will, or before exactly. you even get on the field. <laughs> well, and the city demands its pound of flesh in Chicago, as you know, the second mm-hmm. highest tax burden in the country. Yep. Uh, and Nuts. who does that hurt? It doesn't, you know, hey, I had a great job. I have a great job. I can pay the taxes. I can mm-hmm. survive mm-hmm. and live overnight. This, the people that those policies hurt are the, the people on the South side and the Western suburbs who are, who are struggling. Yeah. And yeah. who, 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 I mean, they're very good people. They work hard. They want the opportunity and the city of Chicago and those politics won't let them. And Scott, I want to evil about that. And I go agree hundred percent. We have a few minutes left in the program. Uh, before we go, I wanted to just quickly get your thoughts on the debt ceiling debate. Um, will the government <laughs> shut down? What, you know, what, what do you think? We got about <laughs> three minutes left, give or take. Are we shutting it down? Will it stay open? Will they figure this compromise out? Let me know. I would hope that Speaker McCarthy would reach out to the Democrats and on the other side of the aisle and could cobble together enough Republican votes to just pass this. How stupid is this? I mean, this is a hell of a way to run a country. I mean, I'm mm-hmm, sorry. Mm-hmm, this is just, mm-hmm. I, I, there's no other way to put it. It's stupid. We um, We have to do budgeting in a different way. I understand its purpose. I mean, you and I both realize that they wanted to put governors in the way so that the we wouldn't overspend. Yeah, yeah. But who overspends? Well, I don't know. Let's look at the last four years of, say, Donald Trump. Yeah, Nikki Haley brought that up on the debate stage, Scott. Nikki Haley, she said, yeah. I can't also blame Democrats. She said, we have to look in the mirror. There was nobody in the Congress, either house, who would slow this spending, this gravy train down. So that's why yeah. these things are in place, but they're not, yeah. they don't work. We, every few months we have this, it's going to be shut down. Uh, you're going to be traveling soon. So mm-hmm. you could actually be hit by this. <laughs> and that's yeah. the one of the practical sides. Uh, yeah. Cause the, uh, 
<laughs> the security at the airports, they're friendly and, and helpful enough already. Right. Yeah. Well, imagine if, <laughs> if, if, if they're not working, <laughs> most people said, I'm not working for free. I mean, you know what? It's sad, man. I, I saw Scott, this, let me see. I, I saved this on X and this really touched me. I think I bookmarked this. Let's go to my bookmarks. Maybe I liked, okay. Yeah. There was this woman um, named Willie Joe Price, a reporter by the name of Rachel Scott, who's a senior congressional correspondent for ABC tweeted this out uh, a few days ago, and she said, uh, "Miss Willie Jo Price has been working in the Library of Congress cafeteria for 42 years. If the government shuts down, she won't get a paycheck or pay or back pay, rather, if the government closes its doors. She fights back tears as she's talking to Rachel Scott in the interview, and she says that she worries if she will be able to pay her bills by the end of the month. I mean, this is going to have real implications for real yeah. people, man. And, and to me, it is not okay to play politics with struggling people's lives. I mean, Ms. Willie Joe seems to be an older black woman here just looking at her. She probably has grandkids that rely on her yeah. uh, being a matriarch of her family. You just don't know what those family dynamics are. And so I saved it because if the government shuts down, I was planning on tweeting this out. And getting in touch with Rachel to figure out if we can do a GoFundMe or something to raise some money uh, for oh. Miss Willie Joe Price. So that's why I saved it because I just if it shuts down, we got to try to do something here. But this is this, this is terrible. And I, and I get you know what the Freedom Caucus, what some of these members are asking for. We do need to balance the budget. We are spending too much money, but everything they're asking for, it's not going to pass the Senate, Scott. So why are we doing this? So you're going to put this crap in the bills and go to the Senate, and then it's not going to pass, and then we're back to square one. Why not just try to compromise on this now? To, to get the best that we can get out of this to keep the doors open for people like Miss Willie Joe Price. You can't say that word. I, you can't say compromise. <laughs> compromise. Are you insane? <laughs> Good God. I thought we were talking politics in the 21st century America. Good God, Scott, man. Scott, I'm going to, I'm going to let you run. Um, All right. Scott, to tell people where they can follow you. Okay. You can go to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis, one word. You can go to gocomics.com slash prickly city to see my comic strip. You can go to chicagotribune.com slash opinion and see a gallery of the work I do for them. Or you can just go to center clip and hear my rantings there. <laughs> sure guys, this is sure Michael Singleton. Uh, this is my center clip Saturday, original concise, the audio op-ed page, top names, most relevant topics, only available via CenterClip. That's CenterClip.com. Check them out, CenterClip.com. All of these guys are doing this out of the freedom of their hearts. They're not getting a paycheck out of it. So go download the app or go to the website, CenterClip.com, and listen. It is perfectly free. Again, my guest today, Scott Stantis, editorial cartoonist, creator of Prickly City Comic Strip, libertarian, conservative, contrarian, Catholic, also a creator on Center Clip. I'm Sir Michael Singleton. Thanks so much for listening to the Sir Michael Singleton Show. I'll be back next Saturday, every Saturday, right here live on Sirius XM Urban View, Channel 126. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere, I should say. The Reese Cobra Show comes up right after this. Take care, guys.